You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BNH Photography Podcast. A word to the wise, and we know our listeners are wise. Subscribing to our podcast is the best way to support our show. Those of you who are subscribers, we thank you, and those of you who aren't, we thank you in advance. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and SoundCloud, or find Find us on YouTube. As you might have heard, we recently celebrated our 100th episode and beginning of our third year on the air. In honor of this milestone, over the course of the next few weeks, we plan on presenting special episodes and an incredible camera sweepstakes. We're going to be giving away cameras and lenses and other photo goodies. Stay tuned for details. Okay, today's show... Food. We all like food. We all eat food. And with the advent of smartphones, many of us even photograph our food before devouring it. Some people go the extra mile and make books about food complete with witty commentaries by witty, famous people. Aaron Resney is an acclaimed photographer. Aaron's been fortunate enough to be able to combine his passions for still life photography and his passion for food into a successful career. Aaron's food photography has appeared in the pages of Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, New York Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. He's also photographed major advertising campaigns for Nestle, Duncan Hines, Kellogg's, Russell Stover, Nabisco, and Applebee's, among other major brands. He is also, I might add, a Brooklyn boy like myself from the same basic neighborhoods. We come from the Fertile Crescent, the Sheepshead Bay Area. And we both also attended the High School of Art and Design and the School of Visual Arts. And we know a lot of people apparently in common, including our next guest. And did you just meet today for the first time? Yeah, yes, I, th- yeah. I think so, yes. Uh, it was yeah. love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to Jordan Shaps. Hello, Jordan. Hello. You have the dubious honor of being our first guest on our first show and our guest on our 101st show, which means you've got to be here for the 201st That's show. That's great. Okay. That would be great. Jordan Shaps also likes food, and he's been known to eat the stuff as well. Jordan is an author. He's a professor at the School of Visual Arts and the former director of photography at New York Magazine, which is where I first met Jordan so many years ago. Since that time, Jordan has produced major photo shoots for the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, Connoisseur, Seed, Cosmopolitan, and he's also the producer of a book called Photo Driven. Together, Aaron and Jordan collaborated on the book Eating Delancey, which is a compilation of gorgeous photographs of Jewish-style food with recipes from classic eateries, such as Sammy's Romanian Steakhouse, Russ and Daughters, Katz's Delicatessen, the Yona Schimmel Knish Bakery, and Ratner's. There's also commentary in the book, even recipes from notables that include Bette Midler, Jackie Mason, Lou Reed, Yitzhak Perlman, Don Rickles, former New York City Mayor Bloomberg, and other celebrities. By the way, for the record, Sandy Koufax's recipe for foul ball fricassee is one of my favorites. Dude, Who wrote that? <laughs> I just threw that in. John didn't even know that was coming. Koufax um, is a sore spot for us. We didn't get him. When Aaron and I sat down and that made up a wish list of who we wanted to hit on famous, you know, to write for the book. The first name was Sandy Koufax. Really? Couldn't get him. Really? No. Well, I didn't like his fricassee anyway. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Anyway, okay, guys, let's start from the seeds of this book. Um, What came first? The pictures, the words, or a combination of the two? How did this come about? I'm not to Aaron. It, It was his idea. Okay. And it was his photography. 
and it came from his heart and to his brain and through his lens to a bowl of borscht. <laughs> Eating Delancey came about as a personal photography project. I think it was somewhere around 2007, 2008. Um, you know, the economy got bad. The marketplace changed. You know, all of a sudden, you know, work got a little quiet. And I had to look at myself and say to myself, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue in photography? What do you got to do? You, you got to kind of reinvent yourself. And um, I worked with a con dear friend and photo consultant, Allegra Wild, and um, basically we came up with Eating Delancey. But I think the real turning point for me was that I was photographed something that meant something. You know, I grew up with this kind of food. You know, the kasha, the varnishkas, the timis, the uh, the pickles, the the chub whitefish. You know, as Alan Kurlate growing into growing up in Brooklyn and in that era, that's. That's what you ate. So anyway, I started, you know, sort of taking pictures of things that meant something to me and pastrami sandwiches. We went down to um, Katz's Deli. We picked up all these things and the pictures just started to vibrate. They vibrated with me. They vibrated with other people and it sort of continued on. And um, at this point was the, the book, the was it a already in process or no you just, no it was just straight was, i had a photo yeah. show at a gallery in chelsea people came and you know i i had, at one point you know um i called up jordan jordan and i've been working together since you know since the beginning of time uh we both started together at new york magazine we collaborated pretty much for a period of five years we worked together almost weekly and um it was you know a wonderful experience and I had called him and I said, look, Jordan, I said, um, I'm working on a project and I'd kind of like you to see it. I, I feel like it's something maybe we could collaborate on. It has a potential of a book. And, um, you know, and then Jordan came and the, the rest is history. Aaron called me to, to look at his photographs and, you know, we remained in touch. And it's always a pleasure to see what he's poking his nose and his lens into. And I looked at these staggeringly beautiful photographs. And, you know, you realize with this subject matter, you're walking a fine line. Because, what do you mean? Well, the, you're talking simus. Okay. Gefilte fish. Chopped liver. I mean, for, these are not be bathing beauties <laughs> of photography. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> number one. And number two, you want them to resonate with a contemporary audience. You know, you don't want your bubby's chipped china uh, you know, to come off, and and also, we'll, I hope we'll get to this photo technique. Oh uh, yeah, and how you address stuff like this. Well, I I was blown away by what I saw. It was unbelievably fresh. It had ancestry and it had currency at the same time. But having been a project of magazines for a hundred years, I said to him, "If you think this is a book, and I do, it's not just photography. It's not just your gorgeous pictures." And I said the word that is most associated with my personality, it needs shtick. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it needs shtick like like a way in from Jackie Mason. Uh, thing. And also, as we were talking before, Aaron and I, in terms of wrangling famous Jewish people or celebrities, Sandy Koufax was the number one go-to guy. We want, Jackie Mason was up there. We got him. You know, but... Koufax uh, was the foul ball, though, huh? Koufax was the foul ball. But oh, well, you know. And I said, and also it needs needs jokes. And I had seen a photograph that Aaron had framed in his studio of a spritzing seltzer bottle, which, I mean, uh, the bottle was that blue oh, yeah. glass. And the energy, it, it was one of the most beautiful things I ever saw. And I said, using that as the uh, impetus, I said, 
a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. <laughs> that was from the Chuckles Bites the Dust episode That's of the right. Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh-huh. A little song, a little dance, a little seltzer. And it, it, I think our personalities and our talents and our mindset really fused and integrated in that respect. Aaron, can I ask you about uh, that period of time, 2002, 2007, 2008? I think a lot of photographers were going through the same you know, thing, you know, there was a change of the industry. And did you, uh, did you decide then that you you were going to focus only on personal things or was it a stylistic change? Are these photos different from your earlier photo photography? You know, and I think you guys could appreciate this. It was, it was an emotional change. I sort of, for a long time, I took pictures for money. Right. Now I make money to take pictures. Mm. Um, Eating Delancey was the start of a just absolute wonderful journey it really brought me back with my heart, my soul, and kind of why I wanted to be a photographer. It went on to, you know, other projects in called Candyland, which is vintage candies, obsolete. It's artifacts of, you know, it's items that are no longer in use of, mm-hmm. you know, flash cubes, right. you know, on an yeah, Instamatic camera. Yeah. Um, photo, you know, pick, uh, pay phones. And hopefully, you know, that's another book project that I'm working on. But... You know, actually, it opened a lot of doors, a lot of credibility. It it was wonderful working with Jordan. Um, we just met so many fabulous, wonderful people, and the stories, and mm-hmm. you know, the the camaraderie and the the emotions that started out with just some simple pictures mm-hmm. and looking away back on track with. You know, I'm very grateful. I've been doing photography since I'm 12, and you know, I hope I get another like 40 or 50 years. Also, out sounds of it. like you you kind of take it on as it's become your own business. I mean, that new model of I'm going to create for myself and then sell it, as opposed to be hired by somebody. Well, I still do an enormous amount of you know commercial work, but I've reinvented myself kind of almost on every level. Um, things got really tough in in Manhattan, you know. A few years ago, I don't have to tell you, you know, for photographers, it's just the rents are exorbitant. You know, I was on West 23rd Street at a point, you know, when I first started there, no one wanted to go west to 6th Avenue. And the rent was just crippling and I just was kind of taking the fun out of it. I took a chance. I bought a warehouse in Kingston, New York, about an, about 90 miles from here. And um, I bought an old giant warehouse and renovated it and um it was you know now i'm starting a photo gallery and it's just i'm kind of living the dream we had knock on wood probably one of the best years we ever had you know between the book and the credibility the new work that i've produced a new studio i'm very grateful you know, I have a lot to be thankful the book for. is absolutely delicious it's a good way of describing it this is one book you don't browse through on yom kippur <laughs> you just don't do that, you know? Well, I have to tell you, one thing that amazes me, and I'm delighted by it, it's our testimony to the Ashkenazi Jewish food, its history and its culture, and to see rave reviews in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, you know, is... It, That's uh, something that, I wanted to actually bring up. It, it's mostly Ashkenazim. Now, also, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, that's Eastern European. Eastern Europe. Okay, yeah. that's where your bagels and cream cheese and your schnitzel and, and your brisket, and and brisket and all that stuff. And, but there's all also a large a large percentage of what's called Sephardi Jews, people from Yemen, Egypt, uh, uh, Jordan, uh, Syria, all over these places. And they have a whole different thing. You know, the beauty of doing the book, it was our book, we were producing it ourselves. Um, We had full backing from the publisher, but that wasn't us. You know, it really wasn't like a Mm -hmm. journal. It was a reminiscence book. It's it's, It's actually... 
great way to describe it. it. It's really a love story. You know, it's a love story for the food that we eat. Alan, you had a bad day. S a little. Yeah. You know, Alan, yeah. let's celebrate. Let's eat. And yeah. the, the wonderful stories about this food that people just don't make anymore. You know, when when I one of the reasons I started this project is, you know, you went down to the Lower East Side, you, you know, even seven years ago, it was all changing. It was, you know, all hipsters. And when I was a kid, my parents immigrated from Europe. My father did business with all these like little Jewish, you know, people, little stores. And, you know, it was a community. And um, the way it's changed now is even frightening. When we were kids in Brooklyn, there was a Jewish deli on every corner. Oh, yeah. You know, now, it, now there's five in New yeah. York. Well, the funny thing is not to get too technical, but I was concerned that Aaron would be moving to Kingston because, you know, there there was a time when there was a big glamour to be in New York and the photo district and stay in a hotel and see the theaters and stuff like that. It doesn't exist anymore. No. And also, everything is done by computer. So Aaron can take a test shot and the clients got it in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on their screen and they say, I love it, shoot it. When I started as a photo assistant, there wasn't eight by 10 Polaroids. There was four by five Polaroids. Mm -hmm. But most of the photographers I worked with, because I was kind of enamored with tabletop and, um, you know, food photography, we would shoot eight by 10 film. And um, you'd either do like a small, um, you know, what was it? Type 55 yeah. Polaroid. Type 55 PN, positive negative. But if it was really an important job, they would shoot a sheet of black and white film and whoever was lowest in the totem pole had to go run and process that. And then you'd put like a loop in it. Yeah. So, eight by 10 film was an enormous, you know, invention and it was so expensive. It was so new. And, you know, I remember, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was working with a photographer and um, I messed up a couple. I had to pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> I had dinner with that photographer. <laughs> no. Actually, it was a different one. Oh, okay. Good. Because I know names, but I ran into No, our... you can mention names. Nobody's list. It's just us. Okay. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. Feel the, free. Is the photography in this book different from your previous work, would you say, or is it just the subject matter? I mean, did you approach it in a different style? And let's talk about the style, because there's there are there are different styles in the book. Yeah, there's documentary yeah, yeah. photography. There's there's macro work, obviously. Well, I I think that the actual big spreads and the you know the the hero shots mm -hmm. or the beauty shots or whatever you want to call them are all pretty consistent. I did that in my studio, um, sort of you know minimal depth of field. Did you have a stylist or a, a chef? That we came did. Out? We had a food stylist, mm -hmm. and um, I had a crew. I did it like I was going to do a job. Right. You know, I was very serious about I, it. I, is it safe to assume that you? There he goes. I use that phrase again. Um, <laughs> that you work with a lot of the same people all the time, as far as food stylists. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. I have a few, you know a handful of right. few, and occasionally a client will ask, but. You know, we we worked with a food stylist, Leslie Baxter, on this, and dear friend, and she was not Jewish. I was going to say, did you have to bring? I tell you, it was really <laughs> wonderful. It was in a way it, nobody on the set was Jewish except me, <laughs> and I was the one who was the only one to say, "No, this is what it's supposed to look like." But in reality, most of the food that we shot that that sandwich came from from Katz's, and um, you know, a lot of the food, you know, they um, came that was already store bought. You know that. Did they know that this food was going to be in a book? I mean, did you call Later on. The, the oh, initial, so we the, made friends with them down the road, and they were delighted. The initial, oh, okay. the, the initial 25 core pictures were funded by me and done by me just as a labor of love. And 
you know, to explore where I was going next, you know, with photography. Um, but I don't necessarily see that there's different styles because some of it was location work and a lot of, you know, that, that I actually happened to shoot because, you know, we were doing the book and the shots of the stores, the interiors, some of the portraits. But, you know, I, I think that the, um, the core part of the book was just all shot in my studio. Um, we recreated natural light and most of the food is not only not tampered with, it was actually bought you know, in a lot of the places and just prepared. And um, one of the beauties of, I think, what I learned from this project photographically is that we the pictures were very intuitive. You know, there were no layouts. There were no art directors. And um, Alan, you probably remember this because um, I think every photographer that grew up shooting film in Polaroid would always say, God, I wish I had a dollar for every time I liked the Polaroid better than mm -hmm. the final shot. There were no Polaroids and there were no final shots. Everything was just done, prepared. If we didn't like it, we moved on. So there's a certain kind of um, unconscious um, intuitiveness with the pictures. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm delighted the way it turned out. Now, you said you didn't do much as far as... Uh, um playing with the food before your photo, it was pretty much out of, out of the box, <laughs> figured to Lynn Levy. Or did you amp things up a little bit? Because food photography is not just taking a picture of the well, of a we, sandwich. We, we would look for the better blinzer. You know, it's not like, you know. <laughs> And how many corned beef sandwiches did you order that one day to get that one hero? <laughs> Alan, it's going to be amazing. But that pastrami sandwich that I think is probably one of the premier shots in the book was really pretty much not tampered with very much at all. We might have just, you know, changed the top piece of bread. Wow, okay. And, and that's really, I think, the beauty of this picture because everyone thinks that, you know, food is doctored and glycerin. And, you and know, it often like, is. Not anymore. Less, less. Not really? Less. Okay. Yeah. I think anymore. there are laws that you've got to be able to eat it. You can't put, like, shoe polish on a turkey to make it look golden brown. Oh, because I, I remember years ago, Esquire, oh. I think, did a whole thing about, it was a gorgeous photograph, a double page spread of a Thanksgiving dinner. I remember. And I remember the title was, Why Your Dinner Doesn't Look This Good. Mm -hmm. And he turned a page, and they said what they had to do to this food to make it edible. Not at all. You know, those, those days, Alan, you're showing your age. <laughs> Before you said I look good for my age. Come you on, know. no. <laughs> no, back in the day, back in the day, you know, it was done like that. And it was, everything was perfect, and it looked like plastic, but... You know, now it's much more casual and the food is very, very real. And, you know, um, it's just been the way, you know, people want real food. You know, I, I, I'm, I just worked on a major redesign of a very large, iconic brand that kept us busy for a good part of the year. And people want real. They want organic. They want, you know, I guess the, 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 the mantra that we followed on this project that we worked on, it was sort of imperfectly perfect. But people just don't want to see anything that looks like it's doctored. And you said you recreated natural light. So what did you use? What kind of lighting do you use? Um, we pretty much used strobe lighting. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Speedertron strobes, classic. They've been around forever. They work. They're heavy to move. But we don't move around that much. Lift with um, your knees. You know, um, I noticed on your, you know, call sheet that there was talk about daylight and talk about, you know, studio photography. For the kind of work that I do, you know, daylight is is very impulsive, you know, and it's fine if you're doing a shot for a magazine or you're doing a cover and you just need one thing. But, you know, it, it's kind of funny, but people say, well, do you use studio light or do you use daylight? But 
daylight's so different. You know, it's diffused, it's soft, it's gray, it's dark, it's bright, it's low, it's high. And Yeah, it can make the food look awful. It can absolutely make, mm-hmm. you know, you have a beautiful ambiance and what you're trying to uh, concentrate on the food. It looks like, can I say the word, dreck? Yes, you, know? you can. Yes, you can. You know, there are there are opportunities <laughs> that you get beautiful, you know, natural light. But, you know, the, the challenge and the beauty of, you know, kind of what we do is that we're able to create that in the studio so it looks consistent. Mm-hmm. And what about some of the vintage photos? Who did the research for that and where did you get these photos? And uh, Oh, wow. I, I, I did the vintage, uh, the research on the, on the vintage photographs. And, of course, I knew that we were going into an arena that had been very well covered and... We wanted to make sure that we didn't avoid obvious classics, but we wanted something new and, and uh, different. And I'm drawing a blank on her name now. Uh, great, great, great photographer of that era. Bernice Abbott. Bernice Abbott. Yeah. Baron, Berenice, yeah. Berenice Abbott. I think there are two or three Berenice Abbotts in there that cost me, me some shekels right. to get the rights <laughs> to, but uh, they're slightly... They're not uh, the garden variety usual, you know, mm-hmm. run up the usual Hebrew sign over right. the street. Over the corner street. You know, right. That right. was right. wonderful. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. that. Yeah. And what about photos of people eating? Is that uh, when you're doing food photography, do you want to have people eating the food? Is that something that uh, is appealing or is it often? That's sort of what I did in terms of entertaining issues at New York Magazine. But that was more lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And if you look carefully, they're not really eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're posing. They're posing. Yeah. They're posing yeah. eating. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food yeah, eating is probably one of the most awkward things to be doing in front of a camera. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. To this day, it amazes me that so many business lunch business meetings take place over lunches. Who wants to talk business when you're shoveling yeah. pasta or salami? Or can we talk a bit about some of the the people you've gotten to put their their comments in the book and and how that worked and and general the how long was the the timeline of the book and how many people died since? Cause oh, <laughs> good vault. Kind of, I'm looking at this list and go dead, dead. Yeah, it's. it's no. Timing is well, everything. It's not that many, but no, a, a li- alas, we and the world lost Joan Rivers. The, our piece that she wrote lovingly yeah. and customized for the book may well have been the last words that, as a professional comedy writer, that she penned. Hmm. You know, it's amazing, and it's know, a great. Intro. It's great. It's she, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. and then uh, Don Rickles just died. Professor Irwin Corey. Mm-hmm. He was 103. Yeah, he was 103. Yeah, exactly. Cut off in the prime. <laughs> I remember him from New York Filmworks. He's a part owner. Oh, he I was, think you're right. We, he we actually went to his house and we did a little we interview had lunch with and him. he gave a quote. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, um, we, we became very good friends and dear friend Jana Ritz is the daughter of um, Harry. Harry Ritz, and she's one of my yeah. neighbors. Do you remember the Ritz brothers? Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. And Janet wrote for us, and she she brought us into kind of a interesting circle, and she took us to Erwin Corey's house, and we had Jewish food there. And mm. you know, <laughs> where is? As I'm saying, it's just the whole ride was just so wonderful, and you know, it's sort of like. Um, it's kind of a metaphor for life. You know, you sort of get something rolling and you stay with it. And it's just interesting, you know, how it all develops. Yeah. But I think, you know, you've worked on obviously on a lot of big projects, but I think what makes this one special is that, again, it was so personal. And that makes such a difference when you really have your soul in a project. Alan, it's it's, it's wonderful for me. It's wonderful for my family. It's, it's wonderful for my kids and respect to my parents and my bubbies and, you know, God bless them all. Mm-hmm. But the, the the interesting thing is, and it's magic because it comes out in the pictures. 
Yeah. You know, it's sort of like face to face with that, you know, pastrami sandwich. It was me and it, and it just, it, <laughs> it, it, it just reads. And, and it should have been a scratch and sniff book. That would be oh, so cool. Yeah, right. We still Ooh, have time. Hey, you know, I'll tell you as far as what, what we're talking about in terms of the nature of your relationship to the photography and, and the one's relationship to the whole thing in terms of, I mean, I, I went after this, I went after Aaron and I both know a lot of people, so that was great, but we wanted some, you know, some household family, fancy names, Itzhak Perlman, Jackie Mason, stuff like that. It was amazing. Anytime I get in touch with someone one of two things would happen they would say oh my god i'll never forget my bubby's chopped liver had she tried the, and it was the, the, the or they'd say oh that's a lovely idea let me think about it and i'll write something never happened it was the one that had that immediate as you you were saying that immediate connection to the subject that evoked a memory that evoked a response that evoked a philosophy you know it it, it is interesting and and you know, obviously, like any other project, you're grateful for the people that were there. And um, Michael Lang's story about Bill Graham oh. and the uh, pickled herring. Michael's also a neighbor in Woodstock, and turns out he was friends with Jordan's um, uncle. His father, who was his uncle, was, you know, involved in the music industry, and just all these kind of connections. That connections were eerie, were wonderfully eerie. But. Um, you know, we were at my studio and we needed a few pieces because, you know, obviously it's business. It's it's a fun project for us, but to get a publisher, they're investing quite a bit of time and money. And um, we called Ed Kozner or Jordan called Ed and Ed was the uh, the uh, editor, right? The, yeah. The editor. When, my beloved Ed Kozner. When we were working in, for New York Magazine, so it was a strong connection. It was a Saturday afternoon. And we were at my studio and we needed, you know, people we to We were write. putting together a dummy and we had his gorgeous photographs and and the names of people we were trying to get. But everything said dummy type, dummy type, dummy. we the people of the, in order to form a bar perfect. Yes. You know, just, <laughs> just to take us. And we suddenly realized we were making a dummy that we were going to just try to sell to a publisher. And we didn't have what one text? word. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have one real word. Anyway, Ed, Jordan called Ed. Ed was going into the shower. <laughs> and... um he said, look, I'll write for you. When do you need it? And he said, he said, Ed, I need it this afternoon. <laughs> and God bless Ed. He, uh, 20 he minutes later, my phone brilliant piece. <laughs> and it was just so yeah. perfect for the book. And, and it, it went was, with the pastrami picture. Yeah, it was and a it was so much of his father and the heart and going down to Fifth Avenue. And, you know, it's just... It was really what the book was meant to be, you know, the memories of... Did you approach any, let's say, younger folks? I mean, kids or who, who may not even have known the food but had heard stories from their grandparents, great-grandparents even? Is, was that... Uh... I don't know any kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At my age, I'm lucky to remember you guys. <laughs> no, I don't... Um... We wanted that firsthand experience, yeah, yeah. you know. Now, does the book resonate with those kids? Yes. Sure. Are we now talking to kids saying, oh, my God, I saw your book. I bought three copies for my grandparents yeah. and my buffer of this. Uh, yeah, but as I don't think they have that, the word it's Hamish. It's not firsthand. They don't have that Hamish firsthand exactly. connection. Yeah. Yes, that's that actually yeah. is a good word for it, yes. The if they do, it's, it's a, a novelty for them. For us, I grew up on chopped liver. I, 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 that beautiful picture he took of the of the cranking uh -huh. thing. I ran that crank. That's well, what I, was I asked my job. More, not not because you know we need to include millennials and everything. More about this idea that these foods you're not going to find them like you used to. Okay, you know? there's there's an interesting sideline to that. Um, it, what is it? Toronto, I think, in Canada. 
Yeah, Toronto is in Canada. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. For $10, <laughs> where's Montreal? It turns out that in, in Toronto, there's a tremendous renaissance for this food, as there is in Brooklyn, for what you might call new age or new wave. The There's an offspring from the Ratner family, Theo Peck, who has a place in Brooklyn. Theo's pretty much a millennial. Yeah, well, yeah, he is. And the gefilte fish people, the gefilte... Area people there, yeah. you know, and also young. the Russ and daughters, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. a younger generation that's Absolutely. running the business than in their cafe in the museum, yeah. in the, museum, yeah. in the yeah. Jewish. But museum. I'm going to assure My you, sister in law doing that. Erwin Corey is the oldest nice. person to write nice. for us. Erwin yeah. Corey yeah. was the oldest. Where is? Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about techniques, about food photography, gear, and related topics. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. We are back. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about technique now. Jordan, you wanted to throw something in here. Something came to mind. Yeah, except I have to say one thing and then aside. Okay. If you guys here in this room have a reasonably stocked kitchen... You know, not just some little can of this, can of that. You have a food product in which Aaron photographed the photo, uh, the photo art on the packaging. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be on the cutting edge, as stylish and fashionable mm-hmm. yeah. as they can be. And, of course, that comes into techniques of photography and looks and lighting as well. And the, my case in point is in New York Magazine, the uh, guy who does all of the f- food photography, is a wonderful guy, former student, SVA, Bobby Doherty, and it's all very hard-lit patterned food. I find it unappealing personally, but I see that that's where it's going. It's basically and, using food as props within yes, a exactly. style. It's, yes. It turns food into graphic design. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I don't like the hard lighting. I don't, uh, you know, and yet if you look at the New York Times who is on a sort of competitive level, they're aware of this so they've gone back to a married couple, gentle and hires, who do shot yeah, from yeah, above, yeah, yeah. available lighting, <laughs> It, it's, you know, and Aaron, Aaron's photography, the food photography is always contemporary, but the food looks, says, eat me. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, eat me. So you're just kind of saying some somewhere in between these two is the perfect medium? Uh, or, or what do you... I no, think he's you have saying to t- what I'm doing is the perfect yeah. medium. Ah. <laughs> exactly. A publicist yeah. too, okay, right. I like it. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying I think you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. I have, I have no objection to that. So Aaron, what, what do you shoot with? What's your gear choices now and how's that changed My, over the years? What, what I work with pretty much is very traditional. Four by five view camera, um, digital lens, uh, a leaf digital back, and um, a rolly shutter. So basically, it's sort of combined the, the benefits of a traditional view camera. I still shoot like we were shooting film, except that there's a digital back in the, in the back. Smaller of, format, but higher resolution. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's hooked up to a computer. We get live digital, digital feed. You know, a large part of my commercial work is food packaging, which all the type is, you know, very important. The layout's very <coughs> precise, and we're able to put a color overlay right on the computer, and we can see the image as we're doing it. My phone, I could shoot whatever I'm eating live. I just have to touch the screen, and it's done. It looks good. I could even blow it up in my fingers. You don't need all that stuff. 
Well, I only have the seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting we're talking about the phone, but um, so I have these large digital, you know, we have about four stations and, you know, it's fantastic. We, the files, the, the leaf files could easily go up to 30 by 40 and probably bigger. And sure, you know, the prints we could make now and, you know, the studio and a remote location, you know, an Epson printer, it just, they're outrageous. You know, they're just absolutely, you know, outrageous. But, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy, film, no film, not film, you know, for what I did, you know, I embraced digital photography from the moment we did it. It just, for food, for the spontaneity, it just, it made the most sense. And, you know, I've kind of never really, you know, gone back. But I was at a um, talk for, and recently, you know, a year or two ago, and Jay Mizell was talking. And, you know, everybody's always asking these really, you know, well-renowned photographers, you know, what camera to use and what's the best camera. And it was very interesting. He said the best camera to have is the one you have with you. Yeah. And that's really, you know, that's kind of why people have embraced the iPhone so much because at least you have something. Yeah. Absolutely. And my Sony, I can't make phone calls. That's another problem I have with that camera. Nobody makes phone calls anymore now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one other thing, if we're talking about camera and gear, and you know, it's a personal thing for me. And to me, like a like a DSLR, you know, we have a Canon, and I'm actually looking at probably the new Nikon 850, and it's something that I, I'm probably going to get, and um, to change over from a Canon. And reason being, Canon's a wonderful camera. It's used by, you know, most of the professional people. It just doesn't feel that good to me in my hand. And I, and I think when anybody ever asks me what kind of camera I should get, the one that, and I always say the one that feels the most comfortable. I in say that a lot That's too. That's great. That's true. Yeah. And by the way, for the Nikon has always felt much more comfortable in my hand and everything about it. I've shot with, I've owned a Canon system in the past for many years, and I ultimately went back to Nikon shortly before I went back to, over to Sony. But I yeah, it's, if it's, it's how a it feels. Brooklyn Jewish thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean we, you talk, you talk, you know, DSLRs, you talk your cell phones, but you're still using a large setup tethered to a computer. So you have a, you know, you have, a, you know. It's a technical camera that you have. It's right. it's not, it's not Mickey Mouse. No, it's not, a, it's no, not a it's a very shoot. elaborate system. Yeah. You know, we still have camera stands and we still have lights and, you know. You, we, you still take photographs. You I, don't take pictures, snap pictures. You take photographs. I play a photographer on TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need to impress all the well people said. that come to the studio, right? Well said, yes. <laughs> but, uh, and obviously a lot of your work, not just the food stuff is, are these Gorgeous macro shots. Uh, what, what lens do you use? We or have lenses? a whole we have a whole array of um, Schneider um, digital lenses. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't. They're on uh, Rolly shutters and mm -hmm. Schneider lenses, mm -hmm. and you know we go from I don't know fifty five to you know two ten two twenty. Um, the numbers are a little different from film. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, with film we used to use a two ten, and I think now that's like a one fifty. But you know, um, I'm not a real techie. Yeah. You know, obviously this is it, and I'm more about the emotion and mm -hmm. capturing the picture. Anything else aside it, from food? Do you like photographing? Well, I, I, you know, I we talked a little bit about some of my other projects. This project, um, obsolete. I'm in the very beginning stages of working on a project that I'm calling. Um, survived and i'm going to be photographing and documenting artifacts from the holocaust mm. 
And um, it's very exciting to me. And we talk about the emotion being one-on-one with, you know, a pastrami sandwich from Katz's, but these objects that just survive so much and they have so much history and they're just so powerful to just stand next to, you know, let alone photograph. And um, it's an important project for me. Um, And my parents were both survivors. My father was in a Russian prison camp for seven years and my grandparents were all killed in the camps. And um, I think we're living in an era that, you know, we just can't forget. And some of the objects were, were carried in the camps and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so it's, it's powerful and um, I'm excited about it. I'm a little frightened by it, but um, I feel like it's important. Have you I gotten to the, the shooting stage on some of these? Some of the, uh, some and of the is objects. it going to be just a total neutral background and, and close, you know, tight shots? Or are you, you're I, working I think that, it's so. just going to let the objects speak for themselves. And I haven't quite gone there. And, you know, I don't like to sort of plan because I want to see, you know, right, how it all you. evolves. Yeah. Maybe jumping back to that idea, but regarding food, do you, how do you, maybe you can give us some thoughts on, on backgrounds and, and, and how you want to like form the color palette behind the food, if that's something that you do, or when you would decide to get really in tight on some of these macro shots, are, are there, is it just kind of speak to you or how, how's that? Voices speak to me. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan's voice. <somewhere>. A- Angels. <laughs> no, I'll tell you something. I had very little art direction to do with this photography. Mm-hmm. It was such a pleasure because having been at a weekly magazine, where the pressures are tight and you can't throw out too wide a thing. I control a lot of what it has, so I, you knew what was coming in. With this, this was the first book I've ever worked on where I had just the total pleasure of seeing things. And I bought his vision because yeah. it came from his heart. Right. It was so wonderful. Right. And will you, let's say you have a crew with you or you have a handful of people, a stylist, and you set up. I mean, will you get everything set up, have a look at it, let it speak to you, and then decide where you're going to go with the lenses and whatnot, or is it, isn't it at that point it's a bit too late, right? Because you've established the lighting. Well, and... it's not that hard to change the lens. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when when will those decisions come to you often? Is it is it, do you kind of stare at it for a while, think about things and... You know, I, I've been doing this a long time and, you know, we'll do a capture, we'll look at it, I might move things and change things around. But on my personal work, it's, it's very intuitive. I don't like really spend a lot of time. On my commercial work, we can go around all day. You know? Well, let's talk a little bit about the differences when you're shooting a, a, a product or, or a labeling. Or well, the, the the difference, and and one of the things when I rebranded my um, website and all my work, and you know, I worked with Allegra, was that you know, and, and I think we've really succeeded um, strongly. Is that I think that every dream of every photographer, you know, to, is to have a, someone say, oh that's a Resney, you know, that's an Avedon, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. this one did it, that one did it. And I tried to stay as close to a personal signature, you know, as I could. And I think if you just react intuitively, it sort of happens. I think where, where photographers and any artist really gets lost is they try to venture out and, you know, I'm going to do a little of this and I'm going to do a overhead shot. I'm going to do a macro shot. I'm going to do a little bit of fashion and because, you know, and, um, I try to, no pun intended, I try to keep my focus narrow. Well, I, I know it, one of the things I find, uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, well, sp- well, speaking of focus, and I, this is a question that I think I know the answer to and have never asked you about it. But, and I, it's a little difficult because I think what, in order to back up my point, everyone who's listening to this has to go out and buy our book. 
there is a picture. Mandatory. Mandatory. And we're yeah, holding so, you all to it. Or you should send it to all your subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just write in and say, I want a copy the of the studio, book. The studio and, audience. Yes, and Alan and John will send you a copy of the book. Why don't, why don't you just ask the them to make a donation to the Shaps Foundation? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go there. But there's a photograph that you took that's in the book of a candy called Nickel Nips. Wasn't that the, with the little bottles yeah. of wax? Yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah. yeah. And in that picture, that's an emotional picture. Everything in that picture is out of focus, but it's a dream. I have a feeling that you saw that in your head first and then went out to want to do that. Am I correct? That picture just sort of happened, you know, like a lot of wonderful things in life. And, you know, we kind of set it up and I think my assistant did a capture and I walked over. I said, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Let's, you know, let's move on to something else. And, um, Things just happen, and that's the beauty thing of photography and, and the wonderful part of shooting digitally, and I think that's why I embrace it. We're going back to the Polaroid story. is so You can sort of act spontaneously. You know, It's not like you, know, you, you have it. You, sh- you capture it. If you like it, you can keep it. You know? And if you have time, say, what else can I do with it? You could further – sometimes you get, okay, that's what I wanted to do, but then you say, well, let me keep working it, which well, – you can't always do with film. You couldn't. No. Because the feedback is a day and a half yeah. later or yeah. the minimum well, six hours well, later. Well, here was the process. So we would do, and we talked to Bill about before when I first started, and, you know, we do it a little bit in my commercial work. But I've tried to um, carry this spontaneity, spontaneity over to my commercial work too. It's sort of like rather than – so we used to do what was called a stand-in. Food styles, we make a plate, let's say, you know, mashed potatoes, gravy, carrots, you know, whatever, you know, you put in there, um, Brussels sprouts, and, you know, you'd arrange everything. She'd put it together. She'd just, like, throw it together. And we'd set it, we'd light it, we'd pick out the props, the background, you know, everything. And she wasn't, like, thinking, or he, you know, because we use both, you know, there's plenty of different food styles. Um she wasn't thinking, oh, my God, this has got to be great and i got to have the perfect Brussels sprout. And nine out of ten times, it was really great. And then, you know, especially on a commercial project, you would go to Hero. You would go to Final. Right. Okay? So you would have Polaroids of this. You would never shoot pictures of the stand-in. And you do this with models. You do it with, you know, still life. It was sort of like, you know, in that generation of photography, that's what you did. But there was no going back because you didn't have any film. So then you would wait for two hours. The food stylist would make everything like perfect. You put it in there. And like, you know, half the time it would be like, God, I really like the Polaroid better. (laughs) 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 And, you know, and then you go ahead, you shoot brackets and you'd send some kid over to uh, Dugal to wait for the film. And, you know, um, the, the digital world in terms of creativity has just been... Fantastic. It's much more efficient. I want to ask you something. You, you start talking about um, that you've been doing this for a long time. You sort of approach things intuitively, and there's a certain signature that you have, visual signature to your work, which is something we strive for. I'm very aware that out of all the billions of pictures I've taken over how many years, okay, I've only taken about four photographs because they're, they're all the same composition with different content in them, and I tend to approach something. I know I certain I visually align the image as I'm composing it, I go in and it doesn't matter whether I'm photographing a shoe or a building, I'm photographing, I'm composing things the same way, I'm filling the frame the same way. And you alluded to the same thing that you have a visual signature. Do you ever find that, wait, I've done this already, and try to break from that? 
And I think this is a common thing for anybody who's doing the same thing for a while. You know, I'm always trying to explore new ideas, but I, I kind of still working with my intuition and kind of like what I do. But, you know, now the tendency is to um, look when I first started, it was overhead down on black plexi. And, you know, you shoot these black plates on black plexi. And, you know, Alan, that's coming back. Um, it, it just sort of changes with the times and how you're feeling and, you know, kind of what you're doing. Um, I do think that this new project is going to be a little bit different. But I, I think that my work is very simple. You know, it, it's a feeling of light. It's emotion from the objects or the food that I'm photographing. And I kind of let, as Jordan said, I let the food become appetizing and rather than any sort of technique and different kind of style. Have you shot uh, for recipe books? Yeah, of course. And can you talk a little bit about maybe the distinctions? Well, the, the difference between like doing a commercial project or a packaging project is we're making the product look good you know, and we want to make it as appealing and kind of stick with the brand. Um, and you're sort of limited because you either have to photograph the product and there's a lot of people, there's brand managers, there's clients, you know, some of the big companies we work for, the layers and layers are just, you know, just very high and packaging is very important. Um, when you're doing a recipe book, you have to follow the recipes. And any time that you're working, with another art director or somebody else, you know, if I'm being paid and hired, you know, it's their vision that mm -hmm. I have to give, you know, um, the beauty of our book. And I think what's so special about it, it was my vision and it was strictly mine. And you didn't, at the end of the day, have to turn to like the third assistant and go, what do you think? And then that person is the one who makes the decision. You know, the, the beauty of working with Powerhouse and, you know, we, we sold them the book. It was, you know, a good part of the photography was done. We had a very, very um, in-depth presentation um, when we sold it to them in terms of layout and design and the name. And, you know, they never questioned like one of the pictures ever. You know, I did all the post-production. We, I, they were not only did we do the post production, but I approved all the the, the CMY. We went proofs. over we went over everything. Also, I could say this to you but in this. Just, just let me just finish. What? The beauty of one of the beauties we did is, you know, in any project you could do, someone could turn around and say, you know, that's a great shot, but I don't like that plate. Can you do that shot over for us? And we didn't have any of that, and I think that's um, one of the beauties of working with them. Mm -hmm. the, the, the nice thing is that, and we got to put a, a salute or a shout out to Powerhouse Books. I think and I can say that we've never had this discussion. We got the book exactly that we wanted. I recently had an assistant of mine dug up the original dummy that we made that we presented, pasted together on, you know, print printed on a laser printer and then glued together. It, it's the book. It's pretty much the book. We it's got seldom that that happens. How long Very was the seldom. process from dummy to publication? Very short, mm -hmm. very short. It it went into high gear. I think um, two years to sell the book, six months to do it. <laughs> Wait, I remember the dates. We I spoke to Daniel Power on November fifteenth, and he said that you're going to be taken to breakfast by Craig Cohen, our publisher, and West Elval, the sales guy, on the twenty second. And we got up from that breakfast, and we Aaron and I left together. We were going separately, but we you know left together. And when we got on the street, Aaron said, "We've got a deal." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "We shook hands." I said, "Well, yeah, but they took us to breakfast, and we were just four guys saying thank you, shaking hands." He said, "No, I think we got a deal. We did." And the book was done a year later. 
I think one of the things that we're really grateful to them for, it's really photographic printing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really, you know, the, the printing just, you know, as a photographer and someone who was so involved with the project, to get it delivered on that quality printing and that quality paper was just... And that's often something you have no control over, and and that's the final product. I could tell you a horror story. An A-list black-and-white photojournalist had a book come out last week. I went to the launch, and I heard from his wife that there are 10 photographs in there that he'd like to kill them for. They never got any approval. They never got it. They never saw it. They had no input whatsoever. It was strictly the publisher, and they're they're hurting, and we're not. Coming back to uh, more food stuff, have you or can you talk about shooting food while it's hot or steaming? Uh, do you do you do that? Uh, you must have. Uh, what are some of the? Are you allowed to fake steam? Because you just told me that there's the, the food police are there. You know, now. we used to do that quite a bit, and there was all different ways to do it. And um, you know, it's just different now because a lot of times you could, you know, we we do a lot of post production at my studio. Um, so we could get some steam and enhance it. In the old days, you couldn't really do that. You know, we did cigarette smoke. We did this kind of this and that kind of that. But as I said before, everything's real. If we if they want it hot and steamy, we're going to get it hot and steamy and we're going to light for it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Any tricks regarding the lighting when it comes to that or? or it's probably if you're going to want to emphasize the steam, you want to use kind of like a hard light or something with a snoot on it or a grid and come from the back. Mm-hmm. I would imagine shooting digital for that kind of photography is actually advantageous because, first of all, it's a little quicker to work with. You could shoot more images, and you also have more post-production flexibility Correct. as you would with film, I and mean, you can go in and do things with it. So I imagine for food, A lot of uh, times when you better. were shooting film, food, especially steam and you know, all sort of stuff like that, there was a lot of prayer involved. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't have any downside with shooting digital. I really don't. I love shooting film. I love spending the time in the dark room. But I don't think at this point. I think some of the backs that are available. You know, some of these phase one backs are, you know, a hundred megapixels. You know, they're just you know outrageous. The price of a car, but they're outrageous. You know. Um, it just adds so much, and, and this project, that this long packaging project we worked on, I, I had two retouchers putting things on set, and we were able to control, you know, the retouching and deliver, like, a final, you know, product exactly the way I wanted to. And that makes a big difference. Because a lot of times, you know, everyone has a different opinion and a different vision and a different look. And the fact that my studio was able to keep it consistent, I think it gave us, us and the client just you know, a much better job. Also the fact that you could work more efficiently. Again, you, you have a fixed budget. The more time you put in on it, you know, your hourly wage goes down well, dramatically. You know, Alan, let's let's just say that, you know, there's a speck on the tomato or something and or a highlight or something that you want to fix or a water droplet. And you were my client in the old days, you know, and I said, well, let's get that in post-production. You know, let, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get that in, you know, when we're done with it in post, you would have said, oh, God, this guy's lazy and it's going to cost me money. And anything in post, you know, 10 years ago was hundreds, thousands of dollars. You know, we, we go back to die transfer prints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we're doing it ourselves in post, it's like, that's great. As long as you get rid of it. You that's know? it. It's and, fine. Um, yeah. It's yeah, been yeah, a lot yeah. added to, you know. 
but I don't rely on that much at all for my, um, you know, anything in the book has not really been retouched. You know, some of the colors have been a little saturated a little bit more and some, you know, imperfections. Well, if you know what you're doing, you don't have to potchka at the end. Potchka is a good word. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk a bit about uh, shooting liquids? Uh, is there any, uh, any advice on that? Any... Any do's, don't do's? I think the most important thing with shooting um, liquids, especially if you're going to get pores and splashes, is is really, you know, high-speed strobes. You know, the you know the speedotrons we have are great, but, you know, they're a little limited in terms of the speeds and the flash duration. Um, when we, sh we just actually did a splash thing in my studio, and we had a big water tank, and we dropped all these fruits and vegetables into the tank, and we rented, I think they're bronze color strobes. They're outrageously expensive, but they're fabulous, and they just, the flash duration on that was just spectacular. Yeah, you do ping pong effects uh, between heads to multiply all the, and we use a lot like of tricks a, you could do. And those. we use like a laser to catch everything. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, post-production on the splashes is also very helpful because, you know, um, we could combine a couple of... You could build them. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's then talk about what we didn't talk about, which is this idea of foodstagramming and everybody, you know, taking a picture of their plate in front of them and sending it out. Um, food porn, which, you know, I, you know, you do hashtag food porn on Instagram and there's about 32 million, you know, hostings. So what is food porn? Food porn is uh, a, a, a photo of your food that you're getting up. off on look just because it's food. Up. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, look it up. I mean, it's 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 like you know you can put porn after everything now oh, as long okay. as you like it. You know, food porn, sports okay. porn, whatever it happens to be. Um, do you? I, I'm assuming you're not Instagramming your your dinners when you go out to a restaurant. I think the Instagram thing, and you think you're bringing up, is really interesting, and I think it's the premise of the book. Because uh, one of the things that the last page in the book is uh, they tried to kill us. They survived. Let's eat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yes. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the book and a lot of people talked about is that nothing speaks to the Jews like food. Food is nourishing. Food is comforting. Food makes us feel good. And it could also make us guilty. At the end of the day, there well, you go. It's, it's an emotion. It's an, it's an emotion. <laughs> Not all good emotions, you know. Um, I think that people really relate to their food. And, and on some level, I think we're living in a society now that food is the new fashion. It is, you know? unquestionably. Mm. And I think that people associate it, it makes them feel good. And, I, you know, I think it's nourishing. And, you know, we, we have to look into a reason that when most people start to date and spend time with each other, they kind of go out to dinner and eat and feed each other and kind of nourish their souls. And and I think we're sort of reacting to that with, with Instagram. Hmm. Interesting take, yeah. Jordan, what are you up to these days? Anything you want to plug? Okay. I, I, I long for the day that Aaron and I will do another book. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm working on a book now that's almost about 90% done. It's called The High Line in photographs by David Goodman, who mm -hmm. is married to the High Line, and words by, and we're soliciting um, first-person stories from prominent and, you know, not, not so prominent people. If you have a High Line experience, you guys are close to the High Line. Yeah, right? I Go and make it. I, live, I can see it from my window. And your selfies. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. All right. So, Aaron, tell us what, I mean, we have AaronResny.com. 
to find you, or is that correct? Resney.com. Resney.com. Okay. Correct. All right. Um, and your new gallery is? About three years ago, I bought a warehouse in uh, the Midtown Arts District in Kingston, New York. It's about 90 miles from here. I completely remodeled it, took a big risk, leveraged everything, um, gave up my studio in Manhattan and built, you know, a fabulously beautiful, you know, space. And one of my intentions with the space was to have a gallery. And being in the Midtown Arts District is so exciting. There's so many wonderful people moving there constantly and wonderfully established creative people, young creative people, and musicians, artists, painters, photographers. And I wanted to be part of that community and part of that renaissance. And I built a gallery as part of the studio and not just, you know, to showcase my own work. And I'm very excited. We're having our first event there and we're collaborating with the Woodstock Center of Photography and wish Howard Greenberg is a dear old friend. He's a gallerist in the city and um, he's the founder of Center Photographer. And, he wrote for our food book. And I'm, I'm very, very proud to say that um, one of my favorite photographers, Ken Ruizu, is having a show there. Um, it's a fundraiser for the Center of Photography. Um, it's exciting for me to open my space to the public. It's exciting me to be part of that. And, um, you know, it's also the beginning of a joint venture between me and Howard. And we plan on having, you know, other shows. And, and this um, show is running through? It's going through January 14th. It'll be open on the weekends um, until the 14th. On the 14th, if anyone's available, this is all over the public, and it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, Howard's going to be doing a talk with Ken Ruizu, and, um, you know, I'm just over the moon excited. And corned beef will be served. I'm sorry, actually, it's, it's a vegan event. <laughs> <laughs> do, do I get a, to put in a pitch? You yes. absolutely do. Okay, we have a dedicated website, thehighlinebook.com. Ah, okay. Just The Highline Book. And also we have a dedicated um, Facebook page, mm -hmm. thehighlinebook.com. And where can we find uh, Eating Delancey? Eating Delancey, uh, it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it pops up. If you Google me, you Google him. I mean, it's all over the place. Right. But it's available at Amazon, Amazon. Mm -hmm. at a very good price, and they've got good delivery deals. And, of course, Barnes & Noble and mm -hmm. Better Bookshops. Um, there are a couple of bookshops in the neighborhood, specialty shops that it's in. It's in Dumbo. It's in a new bookshop in Chelsea. It's in the Chelsea Power Market. House, of yeah. Okay. Aaron Resney and Jordan Shapps, thank you so much for joining us today. Jordan, thank you for making it uh, for the first episode and the 100th. 101st episode. I love it. Okay, and we I expect you back again. I think we're going to have you back as well. We were talking about a future episode with Excellent. Howard. Let's see if we can work that. on mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Some good stuff. Uh, again, for our listeners, uh, we do have some great, great uh, giveaways coming up in the next few weeks. We're going to give you more and more details about it. We're going to be giving away cameras, lenses, and other photo goodies. If you are not a subscriber, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, and wherever else you might be able to dig us up, sign up. Uh, and if you uh, hear something you like, tweet it out with the hashtag BHPhotoPodcast. On behalf of John, Jason, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs>